Hey, Augmenters. I'm Julie. And I'm Jimmy. And we believe authentic, connected relationships are the key to growing to your potential. Today, we are joined by superstar Sonia Thompson, an inclusive marketing expert and host of the HubSpot Podcast Network podcast, Inclusion and Marketing. Sonia shared three great takeaways with us. Number one, Julie's nickname you just heard, Sonia Superstar. To manifest is to plan, which means if you want to get somewhere, you need to know where you want to go. Number two, Sonia accented the power of believing in yourself. If you don't feel like you belong in a community, then it is going to be very hard to actually be a part of that community. And three, Sonia is all about vision, which is Augmenter's principle number one. And Sonia believes that mentoring programs must be focused on the mentee. It is important to think of the mentee as your customer in a mentoring program, and the program needs to serve the mentee's end game. Before we jump to Sonia's interview, here's a quick shout out to our other colleague on the HubSpot Podcast Network. Awesome. Welcome, Sonia Thompson. We're so happy to have you on Augmenters today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's so fun to be here with you all. We've been chatting and I just love the vibe. Like we just got this <laughs> fun, fun vibe. And I think it's going to continue all the way through the show. So I'm excited about that. Well, I mean, we're family. We're HubSpot Podcast Network siblings. Yes. <laughs> As Sonia is the host of Inclusion and Marketing, which is an awesome, awesome podcast. I got a chance to really uh, deep dive on it. So many good episodes covering the intersection of inclusion and marketing and related principles like belonging, customer experience, diversity. There it was a great episode uh, on insights and diversifying your insights. Uh, so we are so happy you're here with us today. And as a way to introduce yourself, Sonia, we have found that our guests generally identify a mentor as somebody who saw something in them that they didn't see in themselves as they were on their journey. So we'd love to hear if you have an example of a mentor who saw something in you, you didn't see in yourself and how that's helped you grow to your potential to where you are today. I would say, and I was just talking to someone before we got on this call and I was reminded of this, um, but I would say it wasn't necessarily just one person. It was my university program that I went through that served as a mentor that groomed us and was very different from other university programs. So I went through a five-year MBA program um, at Florida A&M wow. University. And oh, so, really? yes. So we started our business courses on day one of freshman year, right? Wow. And so they groomed us in that they called us superstars from day one with the expectation that we are all going to be CEOs of a company. That was sort of like the starting point from day one. We used to have this thing called Forum, which was on Tuesdays and Thursdays where we would have a CEO or a top executive come in from different companies around the US. And 
we would have to go and we were in these suits and we would have to wear gray, black in Florida. (laughs) And you know how hot it is, right? Gray, black, or brown suit. And as as the women, they've since changed this because originally we weren't allowed to wear pants, but they changed it so we could wear pants now. But we had to wear stockings. Like so just imagine like Florida, oh right? Pose. <laughs> but just going through that and they were very intentional about not just calling us superstars and like grooming us to be this, but putting together a curriculum and professional development programs that made us believe it in ourselves and that made us sort of behave accordingly and develop the skills that we needed so that whenever we did go out and we did our internships we stood out in a good way in comparison and we felt very comfortable being in professional settings so one just quick aside of how i saw this play out whenever i had graduated i was in corporate People often poo-pooed our degree because it wasn't from like one of these Ivy League universities where they would go and and recruit these other MBAs from. And I remember there was this one group because they, the company that I worked for often recruited from these Ivy League universities. And there was this one guy, we went to like this big reception that was for, you know, I guess, I I forgot who was invited, but we, there was this big reception. There were these executives from the company and we were all there and there was this guy from, and he was super cool, but he was from one of these Ivy league universities and he had like the food and he had a plate of like food in his hand and a drink in his other hand. And he's like, he didn't know what to do. And so like, I saw him put the plate on the food on the floor and just like looking around and like kind of dried his hand on his pants. And I'm just like, appalled but amused all at the same time because we would never do that because we were taught in university like you always have to have a pan free because you never know when somebody's going to walk up and you need to be able to shake their hand so you're never going to put yourself in a position where you've got a drink and a plate of food to where you're doing that but these are like little small little social situations where they groomed us from you know from day one on how to be able to handle ourselves and things that you wouldn't think make a difference, but like, you know, they, they impact how you show up. <laughs> totally. I, I only learned to always have one hand free because there was no other way to get hors d'oeuvres as they walked through. So you had to be able to snag them. That, that's a Just much bob your more head. reasonable. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, th- th- that's amazing. And all, I mean, to me, I mean, Julie listens to podcasts to get ready for shows. I go read through all your LinkedIn. So I see, you know, you spent a lot of your time at J&J, Johnson & Johnson, Mm -hmm. which is one of the two preeminent, you know, marketing, branding, CPG, customer user experience companies in the world, Mm -hmm. let alone America. And you got there after five years MBA compared to at least two years of an MBA plus four at the Ivy League schools paying a lot more money. To me, the jokes on the Ivy, you know, and you could, you're already way more capable. That's amazing. Like I am so impressed. I don't even know if I could even, I don't know if I could direct any of my students right now about what they wear. Yeah, uh, I was 23 when I graduated and started at J and J. Right, so um, uh, we were we were quite young. We part of the program was we had to do three internships before we graduated, and one of the internships that I did was as a sales rep at Pfizer. And I remember I was 20 years old and like a big part of 
the sales meetings, the big part of your entertainment is like, you know, having wine and drinking with, you know, the doctors <laughs> or like your colleagues. I couldn't, I couldn't. Like I remember ordering a Shirley Hold Temple. Hold out your fake ID. <laughs> yeah. You're like the only sober one at 3 p.m. Yeah. in the Friday sale yeah, meeting. Yeah, yeah, like ordering my Shirley Temples and like, but having like this conversation, but you know, I can't because, you know, I'm 20. <laughs> What an awesome, awesome experience. And I love that they called you superstars. That reminds mm -hmm. me of one of our guests was uh, Maurice Ashley, who is the first black chess grandmaster. And wow. his mentor always, he'd like, pick up the phone and he'd always say, sup, grandmaster. Always from the day that he first started playing chess. And he became a grandmaster. Yeah, yeah. And that, like, I always think of that. So the fact that they called, and we love that you're showing your superstar, which is <laughs> just an awesome. Jimmy used to be Jimmy Chickpeas. Now he's Jimmy Augmenters. Oh. But I love that. And as a mentor, to talk to people like that, it you does. are there. You don't really realize the impact that it has on you until later. But I remember I did an article. I wrote an article um, for one of my columns one time, and I asked some of my classmates, what did being called a superstar mean to you? And they all were saying how it was transformational because it just gave them a belief in terms of what they couldn't do because we believed in ourselves before anybody else did. And because as long as we believed in ourselves, we knew that we were capable despite what other people might think. So the school that I went to was an HBCU, an historically black college and university. And so all of us, all of our superstars, all of us were there, were all black, right? And so a lot of times companies would come to our school to recruit when they were looking for black talent specifically. Now, we think that's a great thing because they're fishing where the fish are. If they want to make sure that they have diverse and representative teams, they go where they can find that kind of talent. But that isn't always how everybody views that kind of talent, right? Unfortunately, sometimes mm -hmm. people in these settings feel like diverse talent is talent that is less than or they're not quite as capable or whatever so knowing that i, I like to think that they knew that we were going to have to contend with some people who mm. maybe thought less of our capabilities so having higher self-esteem because we're like we're superstars we're see like we are fully equipped and then some right um it positions you to better handle some opposition that you might get whenever people are kind of, you know, maybe questioning or have some unfounded preconceived notions in a negative way about what your abilities are. And that's so much as I'm thinking a lot about your content, right? And a lot about how to bring that inclusion into, it's almost like inclusive leadership mm -hmm. for these organizations. And how do they think about bringing in this, you know, quote unquote, diverse talent and bring that inclusion in. So I'd love to hear how, so first of all, this program sounds incredible. They were so lucky to have you and J&J &J was very lucky to have you and you. we'll call it kind of your corporate experience. Mm -hmm. How did the concept of inclusive marketing, is that an area that you went directly into? How did your career there evolve and how did this become a passion area for you? So when I was at J&J, &J, I very much um, was in different levels of marketing. But the last position that I was in, because J&J has a bunch of different, like over 200 operating companies focused in different functional areas. So I worked during my time there in pharmaceuticals, biotech, and medical devices. So I spent the last four years of medical devices. And um, for probably half of that, I had a global focus. And 
So with it, I worked with some international distributors who were selling our products on our behalf. And then I also led a launch team where we launched a product, which was not typical outside of the U.S. before we launched it in the U.S. Mm. So in our markets in Europe were the lead. So going through that process, unknowingly, I was doing things from an inclusive marketing standpoint, understanding of what the plight was and the experiences were from our distributors and that we weren't doing the best job of supporting them because basically we were taking what already existed in English and like translating it for them. And we're like here, then over time we would get better at it, but it was still very much a, how do we think more globally about how to launch this product in a way that doesn't feel like we're just regurgitating or force fitting what we are doing in the U S and making it fit because in this instance, it didn't exist in the US. Like we were starting from, you know, who the end consumer was first. That was a good foundation for me. And then I would say, I left corporate to start my business in 2012. I would say it was a good five years in 2017, whenever I started to get, when the first real seed of this was planted in my corporate career. I write um, a column for Inc. And I also have a column in Forbes, um, but my editor at Inc. reached out to me one day and was like, this hashtag is trending. Black women at work is trending on Twitter. Could you write something? Could you write an article about it like today, like within the next two hours? Um, yeah. <laughs> did you know about it? Did you know it was trending? Um, I, did, I didn't know it was trending, yeah. but I whipped out the article really quick because I went, I looked at the hashtag, I saw what was happening and I'm like, oh, I got like, you know, I can just come, come, you know, based upon some experiences that I had and I can start writing about it and it wasn't an issue. And then a couple of times over the course of the next year or so, they kept asking me, hey, this is happening. This is going on. Could you write about it? Sure. And I realized that I started, I liked writing about it. The next year, um, I saw that Forbes was looking for a contributor in diversity space. So I pitched myself and I was already prepared in terms of like how to pitch myself based upon um, these programs and coaching that I had received for large publications. And I pitched myself, but I pitched myself not just for like diversity, but like also for the CMO network just to connect it to marketing. And they were like, yeah, like we think it's great. So I ended up writing for both. And so I started more and more starting talking about it. Um, I did this program called Shine Bootcamp in fall of 2018, where the whole premise was there aren't enough women as speakers on conference stages, whether that's virtually or in person. So let's like do this intensive session where they gave us mentors and coaching for, and it was in person at the time for a weekend. And we did this intensive session where we ended up having to give a keynote talk on the stage for 10 minutes at this boot camp, They recorded it, they gave us assets in addition to the mentoring that we received. Oh. And I did mine on inclusive marketing. And mm -hmm. I started to see that like, how people responded to it. I ended up getting a speaking gig on like a big conference stage as a result of it. I got a paid speaking gig as a result of it. And I just started seeing how people were responding to my articles. There not being hardly any voices talking about it you know, people wanting to hear more. And then I started to lean really heavily into it. 
And I guess I made it sort of my focus from a business standpoint in 2020 after everything was happening. I was incidentally on maternity leave when everything was going on with George Floyd, but I saw what was happening and felt like there ne- people just didn't know what to do from a business marketing standpoint. And so I wanted to provide a voice, right? Like, so I wrote an article for Inc. Again, my editors had reached out. I'm like, I'm on maternity leave, but I'm going to write this one for you. You know, like, you know, because I knew like it needed, it It, it yeah. was a, a moment that people fo- were like- They needed a focus, a direction, they, some kind of direction to something. go somewhere. Um, I pitched myself to be on Amy Porterfield's podcast and she accepted. Like, so I was Ooh. a guest on her show and talking about right. inclusive marketing. And, you know, it just kind of just seeing that more and more people are interested and there's not a ton of resources. So, yeah, that's kind of where it started. It like really got legs. It continued to get like the legs grew bigger. They already had legs, but they they grew bigger from there. You, you started squatting and doing deadlifts. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. <laughs> uh, you mentioned the mentors at the Shine Boot Camp. Mm-hmm. It didn't seem like it was a very long in duration boot camp. Mm-hmm. So it probably was a very kind of quick introduction up to speed and then kind of, you know, au revoir period. How did that process go? And how did the company shine set it up to be a really beneficial experience for you with the mentor or, or maybe it didn't go well. Just, it, it went really well. It went really well. So I think they matched us up based upon, I think our experiences, what we wanted to get out of it and what they probably felt like we most could benefit from from the mentoring perspective. Mm. So my mentor was fantastic. So we arrived on Friday, we worked all day Saturday, and then we presented on Sunday afternoon. It was intense, like there wasn't much wow. sleep Saturday night, but you're in theory, you should come with something. It's not like you get there and you're starting, like you should come with a skeleton. And the mentorship relationship really worked because my mentor, Ollie, I'm so thrilled that he was my mentor because that's the one that I wanted to work with, but he was exactly what I needed because he helped me with the style of the presentation and how to deliver it beyond just um, to make it memorable beyond just the information, but also he helped me do it in a manner that fit me and who I was. I, I saw a couple of mentors there who I felt maybe they were molding the person, the, their mentors to be like them and to do it like they were. Mm-hmm. And Ollie didn't do that. Like he helped. How do I become a better version of Sonia? Not like a little Ollie, right? As I was going through it. And I think that really helped me. And beyond the program, Ollie opened doors for me to be, like I mentioned right. that one of those stages that I got on, the company that he had co-founded, it was their conference. So a year later, I was a speaker on their stage, you know, and I think a big part of that was Ali kind of saying, putting in a good word for me. So the mentorship relation, Ollie. yeah, the mentorship um, relationship continued beyond that because it was one, how can I help you with the very specific skill, but also how can I be a voice for you and advocate for you in rooms that you're not in? So I can help open doors for you. And I think that is a great thing that mentors can do as well. That's amazing. I also like how this example is a double you know, view into how it's so critical to not have a one size fits all for how you approach a relationship uh, or how you approach teaching a certain skill to somebody. And that Ali not only adapted himself to fit 
with you very quickly because you all were matched up and there was some pre-work, I assume a survey of some kind, but then also that it wasn't like, Hey, be, be a mini Ollie on stage. Yeah. yeah. Be, be a, be a big Sonia on stage. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was great. And if I think back to like all the mentors that I've had that have had such a big impact on me, it's because they all, none of them took that one size fits all approach. They tailored, how they supported me and how they helped me based upon who I was and the market conditions that, and how they would respond. So going back to my university and that, that five-year MBA program, we were an HBCU, the professors groomed us based upon what they knew, the types of things that we as black students, black professionals, would encounter, which is different from if we were at a different type of in or university or program and organization. And because we had that specificity and that was tailored to what we would encounter and the unique, the unique experiences that we would go through that maybe other people wouldn't, we were better prepared and better equipped because that specificity and how they mentored us based upon our situations from the program, the way that Ollie did it. Um, so it just kind of, it's a common thread. One size fits all does not work. So we've got to do tailor the mentoring based upon the, the people that were our mentees and what their experiences are going to be. That is so, so helpful to hear that, right? There's like the specificity of being part of that group. And then how do you really tailor it for individuals? And I keep thinking about what you really bring to the table around inclusive marketing is taking, you know, marketing, there's like the playbooks and you kind of keep doing the same thing over and over again. And I was, I used to live in China. Um, so I was saying before, so like, yeah, it's like, we're going to sell razors and we're going to sell Chinese people. We're just going to translate it. It's going to be exactly the same. It's like, okay, it's a totally right. It doesn't work. Um, so how do you take kind of this, you know, these marketing playbooks and you are working on how do you, how do you change your perspective and bring inclusion to it as you've kind of had this experience in a corporate environment and there's like the corporate mentoring kind of programs, which I'm sure you're encountered. And there's like, you know, the employee resource groups and, you know, how can you imagine taking some of these inclusive practices that you talk about in marketing and for our listeners who actually develop uh, mentoring programs in a corporate setting, what, what would be some advice you would give to them? It all starts with your customer. And in this case, your customer would be your mentee and understanding what it is that they need and how their experiences might be different for than people who are part of like dominant groups or the mainstream of the masses, right? For instance, I, I did a series of interviews with people about their experiences at work and about their experiences from an inclusive marketing standpoint. The ones, all of what they had to say was fascinating, but it was really eye-opening to me. Even though I knew these things existed, it was eye-opening for me to hear them over and over again from other people. So there was one woman I talked about and she was saying like how often she was questioned in meetings and how often she had to sort of justify her decisions or go and do backhanded communications, you know, not backhanded, but like behind the scenes communication sort of prep people. And she didn't find that that existed with her male counterparts, right? So somebody who's mentoring her needs to understand that you can't necessarily give the same advice to her that you would give her male colleague because they're not experiencing the same things. The challenges that they're going through are not the same. 
I talked to a number of black women and they were talking about their experiences being the only one in a room or how they had to think about their hair or the way they would show up at a job interview, how they responded to different microaggressions. I remember one time I was one of my bosses, whenever I worked in corporate, suggested that maybe I shouldn't have lunch with some of my black girlfriends who also worked at the company because it just, I don't know, it didn't look right. Right. You know, and, and I think he, felt like he was giving me good advice that would help my progression and help how other people might have perceived me. I didn't take it that way. I knew he meant well, but it just, it wasn't good advice, right? So I think that it always starts with understanding your consumer, your who that customer is, and your mentee, your employee, your team member, whatever it is starting from their their lived experiences and coaching them based upon that not purely your own experience and what has worked for you because what worked for you worked for you and who yeah. somebody is probably more like you and if you don't have or have an understanding or an appreciation for the different types of experiences that other people go through they might do the exact same thing as you did and not get the same result because why? There are other factors that are at play that you have to consider. So if, if I'm hearing this correctly and probably saying it in a different way is kind of like what the instructors at FAMU did for you, which was they used their experience to be able to look out ahead yes. in the path you were going to walk Yes, and didn't then provide instruction on their experience, but they provide instruction on what you would experience. And that is then a, a much more powerful tool, but you need the empathy to mm -hmm. actually be able to take your own experience and be able to just help it shape what you think may occur for others. Right. And, and it's not necessarily like painting a bleak picture for them in advance. It's giving them the skills that they need to encounter so that they whenever they are encountered by these other situations or pressures that society at large might bring up that you know how to handle it that you're not phased by it so um it wasn't like these things are going to happen you know watch out and it was more of how can we equip you so that if these things are, you encounter you know what to do and you know how to handle it pretty easily well, and I think it's also the humility on the mentor's part too, to say, Hey, this is what I can tell you, but I have not lived this experience, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. And I think in the corporate environment, right? There's like, here's pieces where I can help you. And here's pieces where I can't. And like you said, is it opening doors? Is it making introductions? Here's somebody right. else who's been down the same path you have, even kind of as a mentor, creating the tribe of mentors for the person or helping them connect them to other people who might be helpful in ways that they're not necessarily. Absolutely. And I, I don't want anybody to mistake me in feeling like you have to have, like a woman has to mentor a woman or a black person has to mentor a black person. I'm not saying that at all. There are times where being having similar lived experiences is helpful. But like you just said, some of your differences, if you are operating and building a relationship based upon empathy and understanding of, you know, what it is that the person's experience is and having a shared sense of where you're trying to get them to go, your differences in experience can be an asset because you 
have an understanding and knowledge that this other person doesn't. And with this new sort of point of view that you have of what this person's experience is like, you can help strategize and help them navigate based upon your own experiences because different perspectives and different experiences help you produce a more optimal result because you've got more inputs that help be more because creative. you can listen better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can listen better with these different lenses and perspectives and that's a definition of diversity. Mm-hmm. It's critical for innovation because you have to be able to listen to your customer and that's what you're talking about right now. Absolutely. Ta- tailoring fit. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit of a mind blow, but I was, I, was, I was just thinking about like a customized mentor experience. Like, you know, you kind of have your app and you're like, okay, I need to, you know, and then like, how do you like create this sort of little customized try, yeah, not a customized try, I, but like, but it's not one size fits all. Right. And that's, that's exactly what you're saying. It's not. And I think that mentors and mentees, of course, have to be comfortable having conversations that are real about the experiences that people are having. Because if you don't know that somebody is going through and they're feeling like I'm constantly being questioned because, you know, and they're not questioning other people in the same way they're questioning. Like if you can't feel comfortable to have those conversations with the person that who is your mentor, then you're not going to be able to come up with solutions or a path that address it. Right. So people on both on both sides of it, of the relationship need to feel comfortable and have that degree of safety with each other to be able to be open about one, sharing experiences, but two, hearing experiences that you might not have been aware of that might make you feel uncomfortable, but knowing that they do happen and they do exist. And then knowing that, all right, how can we together build a plan that works? But you have to first be willing to have that conversation, knowing and acknowledge that different people have different experiences. And isn't that all about like every relationship is different. Yeah. So you can't take a one size fits all for mentoring. It wouldn't make any sense. Unlike all the t-shirts I buy. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's like, it's like people with multiple kids, right? They have to, I often hear that you have to take a different approach with each one of your kids because they are not (laughs) the same. One of us more than one, but yes, yes. I have two completely total opposite. Everything is completely opposite. So you just... (laughs) You figure out how to, well, you know, you're going to do it well in some ways with one and you're going to really fuck it up with the other and then it'll be the reverse on some other <laughs> But so Sonia, thinking about like, what's the future for you? So, because we are just so excited to see you continue to grow, especially oh, obviously you. with your podcast and with everything and the more and more, pl- more and more places of you sharing this with marketers, with corporate um, and having more and more, you know, uh, sort of people uh, who are empowered with your, you know, the way that you approach inclusive marketing, what do you kind of see the next five years to look like for you? Like what would the ideal state be like? So my, my personal vision is where everyone has a place where they feel like they belong. Right. And that includes, and so my particular focus areas are both as a consumer and at work. And so I want to build my, what's in process for me is to build a big hub of where people can go to get resources on how to do that in terms of both from a marketing standpoint, understand more about consumers and what it is that they go through and just help them figure out how to get those insights they need and sort of to help foster that empathy. And what also would be lovely to do is to be more of a producer of content 
that helps change the narrative and that provides more representation that one induces that empathy two helps more people um, for people across the board two helps more people feel like they belong and see themselves reflected i think people just naturally have stereotypes about different people from different who are different from them and so how can we change the narrative in a positive way about what people are like and what their experiences are because you know sometimes we have no idea but we, we need something and hopefully it's making some good content that kind of changes it up for them yeah i love it that you know, you're talking about looking ahead and that you know variety and being excited about others like where you know it's the differences that make life worth living anyways you know if i had to talk to me more than i talk to me now it'd be bad, <laughs> real bad. and look Not at julie good. she's already got more than enough of me <laughs> uh, but you lead me into a question i love to ask which is how do you think mentoring will be defined in a future time period. So like if it's 2050, 27 years from now, what do you think mentoring is gonna look like? I hope it looks like we have more relationships that may not necessarily have a very specific goal, but that we're just mm. relationships where we're imparting wisdom between each other that equips us to reach whatever goal that we have faster. So think about like, um, you hear people talk about like their elders or like maybe they had like a wise grandmother or, you know, grandparent or whatever. And they were just not necessarily, oh, we have like this mentoring relationship, but like just through the course of them and the relationship of spending time together, that wisdom is sort of imparted, but it not only happens one way, like these days we see it happening two way where like younger generations are, opening older generations to up to a, a world of you know different ways of operating and being so I, I would love to see where it's more of like just we're building relationships with more types of people and the mentoring happens naturally as we share what we've learned our perspective our knowledge and just naturally want to help each other so that we everybody's equipped and knows how to operate and is prepared for whatever it is that they're going to be encountering. Cause it doesn't always have to be one way. Sounds like augmentary. <laughs> it, it does, but it, it also, I mean, you're, you're actually living that 2050 vision right now. I mean, I, I, I was reading some of your stories about how you've jumped in to help out different consumers uh, who maybe didn't have the correct language skills because of really poor inclusive practices at some businesses. Aren't you kind of modeling that life right now with just having a relationship without a goal? I hope I can be, right? Like my I like I said, like I want people to feel like they belong and for language barriers because in you used one of my favorite words earlier, empathy. I know what it's like to feel like you can't communicate. I lived in Argentina for four years and there were plenty of times where I I struggled to figure it out. Just a quick little fun story. My first time arriving in South America, I went to Ecuador and I was in this little small town in Ecuador and I, my cousin was playing basketball and I went to another nearby town to go watch one of her games. And it turns out like the place where I was staying, I don't know if it was an Airbnb or something like that. It was the place where I booked only accepted cash and I couldn't <laughs> get my cash out of the ATM machine. 
and I didn't understand what was happening. Like at first I was like, oh, maybe it's this ATM machine. And then I went to several others and it, it was the same thing. So I'm trying to figure out and communicate with this woman. My Spanish is very basic and not quite good at this point. She didn't speak Poquito. English. And between the two of us, we're working on problem solving this solution of how am I going to pay her? <laughs> And so we were working it out. And then ultimately I realized, oh, like there, I had to go to an ATM machine that had like a specific service symbol on it or something. Mm -hmm. And that one would give me the money. But like we were working out a, a scenario where I was going to go and pay by credit card to like one of her friend's businesses. And they were going to pay, like we, we were working it out. We were problem solving. And it just goes to show that like, even with a language barrier or like with not one person, we can find a way right and if we're willing to and if we're open and we have empathy and we're like we're just you know willing to extend ourselves to others and i find that if we put ourselves in other people's shoes more often and believe the best in people that it gives us more opportunity to be able to help and extend ourselves in a way that helps other people feel successful and make them feel more normal or more like they belong rather than feeling like an outcast because of whatever difference they have. Building community. Yeah. We start caring about each other. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> I, love it. I have a, a couple really quick rapid fire word associations I want to ask you. Uh, whatever first comes to mind, I'm going to say a word and just like hit me back. Okay. When I say the word mentor, what do you think of? Ooh, okay. Guardian Angel was like the first one that came to me. And it was somebody who basically is like taking you under their wing and sort of helping you get to where you want to go. They're looking out for you. Under the wing. I love it. How about the word mentee? The image of like a bowl, like somebody who's like being poured into. So they're like their their cup or their bowl is being filled. Yeah. We've never really had that fun. before. <laughs> How about sponsor? Ooh, I remember this debate happening so a lot in corporate. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Um, debate sponsor. I don't have anymore. <laughs> yeah, sponsor versus mentor. I, I feel like it's more of um, I am putting my seal of approval on you, and I'm transferring my platform, my built-in trust to this person that's i think what more of a i guess a sponsor that's what i think of when i think of a sponsor like i am going to give my stamp of approval on this person which for a lot of people that goes a long way because especially the more i think about the way the more i've learned about the way business is done it's less about your actual ability it's yes. more about who you know yeah. that stamp of approval goes a long way why, why do you think i'm sitting here with you two <laughs> <laughs> I, I i got one more how okay. about the word coach a coach so i used to play basketball in um in mm. high school and like junior high and i feel like a coach is somebody who was going to push you they see the potential in you and they're going to push you and train you to achieve whatever it is that you need to go and they might use some unconventional means to do that and to get you there but their job is to sort of help you achieve a better version of yourself by any means necessary. <laughs> oh, all right. We got to get down to Florida and hoop sometime. Yes. Uh, that's, that's, that's still uh, the reason I exercise so I can still uh, be, beat the high schoolers out there. <laughs> or at least it the 72 year old. Like, strange <laughs> sense of pride. 
Oh, Sonia, we have loved, loved having you on. Thank you so much. So Sonia is also, as we mentioned, the host of Inclusion and Marketing, our HubSpot podcast network sibling. And Sonia, all your awesome information is at soniathompson.com, including your Inclusive Brand Academy training. So if people want to like get trained up on what you're talking about and be able to use it in their everyday work lives, they can find you there. Anything else to add? Yeah, and they can also go to inclusivemarketing.co where you'll find even more information. So a couple of different spots. So yeah, inclusivemarketing.co, you'll find you'll find a lot more too. Excellent. Link in the show notes. Thank you so much, Sonia. Oh my gosh. I loved Sonia Superstar. I love the idea of having somebody call you what you anticipate being before you are there. So I don't know, Jimmy, you're going to have to tell me what I should start calling you. Uh, Not late for dinner is usually (laughs) what I'd say. I don't know. We got to come up with our, with our, like our manifesting titles. I don't know. I mean, we are podcasters already, so that's pretty exciting. We can come up with something else, but yeah, basically, you know, to manifest is to plan. And the fact that her program from the beginning, they called all of them superstars. They did graduate in five years uh, with MBAs and had the opportunity to really come right into some of these corporate environments with a lot of preparation and a lot of foresight and obviously the opportunity to be able to make a big impact. Sonia certainly did uh, in the corporate environment, but then was able to see how she could pivot and bring what she knows uh, to a much, much broader audience, which I think is really exciting. It was phenomenal. And the the imagery of Sonia at some of these early job interview, job placement events, where she remembered the practical advice from her training at at university, where she was told to always leave your right hand open when eating or having a drink at a networking event so she could shake a hand. It's Brilliant. just, it's so practical. It's so spot did any, on. Did anybody tell you that? Nobody ever told me that. No one ever told me that. Nope. It, and it was so simple. And of course, you know, and and like the, the juxtaposition between then you know, the Ivy League individual trying to scarf down food because who's not trying to do that at 22 at free food event. However, Ivy League person is putting their plate down on the floor in a strange, you know, almost genuflection, probably physical move. And now it doesn't need to be the most brilliant earth shattering advice to help somebody connect better with somebody else. I mean, what's going to be easier than a very simple handshake and some eye contact as opposed to, you know, dropping your food on the floor and then like, you know, wiping your hand on your pants. Oh my God. I've, I've seen some like serious double, triple fisting happening at those kind of networking events. And that is brilliant advice. And honestly, that's the kind of advice as mentors you can just get, you know, that we should also feel free to give to our mentees as well. I think sometimes you feel like it has to be this very, you know, lofty, philosophical, deep, forever kind of advice. But at the end of the day, like, make sure you have a hand free to shake hands. It's a great one. Yeah. I mean, m- mentors, the point is not to drop knowledge like Einstein on a mentee. You're just there to help the mentee get the best out of whatever they're going to do next. You're just there as an unlock for the mentee. So, help them with what you think they need help with. And I think each of these things lead up into actually feeling more comfortable and more confident and believing in yourself, which I think Mm -hmm. is the second point that she made was really the power of believing in yourself and then being able to actually share authentic experiences, tell people where you're coming from, 
be honest about things that you experience that might be different than um, what they experience. And then, mm-hmm. you know, hoping to be in a community where you can really be heard. I know there's things I've shared with you. There's experiences that I have as a female business owner. They're different than experiences that you have. You have different experiences than I do. But if we're able to both, you know, sort of hear each other, then I think you're able to, you know, believe in yourself and be, and be more a part of the community. Totally. And those experiences are different for each person. And actually sharing those experiences helps people understand why you may approach a problem differently or why you may have arrived at a solution in a, that is a significant alternative compared to somebody else. And that's usually a good thing. You want to see a whole variety of options. You don't just want everybody thinking along the same way, but it can be scary sometimes to speak up when you do feel different or you do feel that you've been shaped in a way that's not the same as managers. But before you're going to be able to, even if a manager says, please share, you're going to have to believe in yourself before you can just jump in and start talking. And to me, it was really kind of a seminal thought of, if you don't believe in yourself, you're not going to be part of that community, period. No, no. And it comes with that confidence, which it feels like Sonia, you know, kind of had, had, and then was really brought to through um, her schooling and her mentoring experience. So I love oh, that. Go ahead. And mentors can really help mentees believe in themselves. Like that is yes. almost like the most basic foundational piece of a mentoring relationship. If you can just help a mentee feel good enough about themselves that they're ready to share in a group that might not be quite as much of a quote unquote safe space as a one-on-one mentoring relationship. I mean, what an unlock by a mentor if they're helping a mentee go speak up, whether it's at a one-on-one with their manager in a group of peers, shit, even in a scarier situation where you're in like a large pitch to the executive team, whatever it is. I mean, that would be such a wonderful thing. What a gift a mentor could give to a mentee. Totally. And let's just hope there's more and more environments that are really open to being able to show up for this vulnerability, which I think is the direction that, you know, we're hoping we're seeing companies go in. And I think it kind of loops back to Sonia's third principle or her third takeaway that I think we got, which is really about structuring in the corporate environment, mentoring programs, Mm -hmm. when mentoring programs are being rolled out, that they are really focused on the mentee. Like the mentee is really the customer and the programs, like she's a marketer, she gets it. The, The mentee is a consumer. How do mentoring programs serve the consumer? Because at the end of the day, you know, the mentee is really the one who, um, you know, who needs to get the benefit and be able to grow to their potential within the organization. Of course, the mentee has things they must do, show up, be organized. You know, they can't just sit back like a lazy consumer, but really focusing on what their needs are. And maybe for mentoring programs to do more, you know, customer discovery, maybe that's one way for them to get better is to really understand what benefit they're bringing to the mentees. That's a big idea. If a lot of these larger organizations started approaching their mentoring programs as if they're approaching a new product to sell and they went through the idea of it really asking all the mentees, hey, what what do you want out of this? I am 100% certain that would shape and adjust how these mentoring programs are being created and for the better, not just for the mentee, not just for the mentors, but for the ecosystem of the organization, for the culture that you are hoping these mentoring relationships help contribute to. It's a big idea that Sonia kind of casually laid out and is really strengthening vision. You know, Augmenter's principle number one is number one for a reason. 
<laughs> it's how you approach everything. It's, it's menti first. It's menti first. It's menti first approach. Menti first approach. Sony superstar. That's what's up. <laughs> we already got a marketing term for it. No, that's it's great. It's a really, really great way to think about it because I know we hear over and over again about mentoring programs within companies that you know aren't great and smash people together, et cetera, et cetera. So I think this is a big idea that will hopefully continue to grow. And honestly, if you have not spent time listening to Inclusion Marketing Podcast, Sonia has some really, really great topics mm -hmm. that she covers. And I love that she has started... A, a training program so people who are working in marketing can do a brand check and see how their brand is doing when it comes to inclusion and they can also take her master classes and her trainings and learn how to bring inclusive marketing practices into their daily life super exciting inclusive marketing.co check it out it's a website it's a podcast it's going to change your life for the better thank you sonia thompson thanks sonia Wow, you've made it this far, and we thank you. Hopefully, you enjoyed our episode and discovered new ways to bring more authentic connection into your mentoring relationships. Want to tell them more, Jimmy? Be an Augmenter with us. Visit our website for the best interactive mentoring content at augmenters.us. Share our podcast with someone you care about. Like and subscribe. And yes, really, you following our show and writing a review it's a big deal. Your actions provide us with the resources to continue our undefeated, unencumbered, prize-winning productions. We welcome questions and suggestions via email, hi at augmenters.us, or on social with our handle at augmentershq. We are most active and available on LinkedIn and YouTube. Shout out an earnest thank you to our intrepid producer, Erlen Cato. We appreciate you. Augmenters out. See ya. Thank you.